Oh, hey there guys, it's Mike from Evident. You've probably seen our stuff before and wondered, what the f Evident, what do we do? Well, that's a great question. Our main job is dental CAD design. Still wondering what makes Evident so special? Well, the best labs and dentists choose Evident to turn their scans into bridges, crowns, aligners, and veneers, and more every single day. Be more than just a number. We'll build a CAT team around you to make your digital dental treatments better by design. Go digital with the cool kids, start rolling with Evident, and let's get the digital party Okay, good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. Uh, my name is Paulo Kalau. I'm the CEO of Evident. And I've, I've really gotten to enjoy these webinars only because I learn as much as everyone else as I speak with people. It's like my every Monday morning, it's my time to, to learn about all the technologies out there as well. And um, prior to this webinar, I'd been speaking with Dominic and I said to him, Dominic, I've learned so much just uh, in the warm-up session here. So I'm looking forward to uh, Dominic Babinski from Dentology by Abutment Direct sharing his experiences with you. And Dominic's a bit of a unique guy. Uh, he's operated dental labs at, at a large scale. So uh, he knows how labs work. He's dealt with uh, dental products. And now he's running a 3D printer uh, distribution business in Canada. And actually not just 3D printing, but milling and, and other technology items. And it's great for Dominic to share some of his ex experiences and wisdom here. So Dominic, thanks for joining us, man. Well, thank you, it's my pleasure. You know, and uh, I, I think as always, uh, a good place to start this, maybe you just sharing you know, how do you end up in dental, right? As I, I always say, it's not the first choice for most people to go and uh, say that, you know, I want to work in a dental company or in the dental industry. So how did that journey pan out for you? Sure. Well, I've been in the industry, uh, except for a two year hiatus, I've been in the industry since 1992. Uh, so that seems like you do the math, uh, it's a scary number for, for me anyway. Um, and at that time, I was uh, actually out of work because the company that I was working for uh, was uh, uh, closing, essentially. It was during a recession, actually, in Canada and yeah. um, uh, in 1991. Anyhow, so I was looking for something more stable. I thought healthcare would be a stable industry. And I had a friend whose sister worked for a dental products manufacturing company um, that was selling to Canada and they knew a company in Montreal that needed someone to start off uh, things for them in Ontario and that was my connection into the dental industry. Nice and through this journey uh, give us a bit of an insight into the types of things you've done in the dental industry as we chatted about earlier. Sure. Well, I, I, I covered off like, I think all major corners of the industry. So in the first part of my career, very involved in the clinical side, uh, selling clinical solutions. So a lot of nuts and bolts of restorative dentistry of composite or composite for our American friends um, and bonding products and uh, uh, all that kind of nuts and bolts clinical side and got involved in uh, the, the digital side. Uh, digital radiography was actually involved with the company, it was the first company to launch digital radiography in Canada, as well as internal cameras. So technology uh, and restorative on the clinical side, I was uh, involved in managing a dental laboratory, a 30 person lab in Toronto for five years. So I got to know the lab business well. And uh, had a couple of stints uh, for a Canadian um, specialty reseller. It was a partner in that business for a while. Uh, continued to be involved with laboratories and insurers in the Canadian market. 
uh, as well as in the U.S. market. I was involved with launching a product called uh, Fiber Force, which uh, a lot of removable technicians are familiar with, and I launched that in Canada and the U.S. Um, and I've also been involved with uh, uh, just uh, more large-scale wholesale distribution companies for labs and dentures. So covered off the denturist, the dentist, and the dental laboratory side from both the materials and a technology point of view involved. And of course, mo most recently involved with technologies like digital printing and uh, CAD and milling. So, I mean, through all this, you've seen uh, a lot of the changes in, in the dentistry and in the dental lab industry. And I, I, I guess I'm, I'm really excited to, to uh, hear your opinions on some of the things that are going on. Because as we talked about, your goal here today is to just share objectively the things that you're seeing as you guys uh, work with labs and dentists all over Canada. And uh, I guess the first question I'd ask is, what exactly is a digital denture in your mind? So we can level set you know, sure. what we're all talking about here. Sure, so maybe we'll talk about uh, the, the answer to the first part of the question. Um, there's so many, I think for, for people who, who, who were witnessed in part of the evolution of CAD CAM in fixed dentistry, there's a lot of parallels with uh, what we're seeing now on the removable side. Um, and so for example, when, you know, I, I went, when digital quote unquote first came out in the fixed side, you know, it was very common for people to say, oh, you know, you'll never be able to make a crown as nicely or as well using, you know, a mill, can't be as good as I can do it with my own traditional methods. And everybody was poo-pooing digital. Um, and certainly, you know, it was far from perfect, um, but over the, certainly the last 15 years or so, it's really evolved tremendously to the point where there's no argument about whether manufacturing crowns and bridges in using digital work pro, uh, workflows is as good as, you know, the, the analog fashion. So there's no debate there. And I think we're, we're entering into this, we're, we're in a similar phase with, with so-called digital dentures where it's not perfect um, and there's an evolution occurring there. And, uh, but I think eventually we'll be at the same place with, with uh, digital dentures. So what does that mean in terms of a digital denture? Um, I think it, it, there's sort of two main things that we, we wanna cover off because it has a different uh, impact on the question is, are we talking about complete dentures or partial dentures? Cause that's two different scenarios, but digital could apply to both. Um, and I think a digital denture is a denture, just to make the definition practical, is a denture that has been manufactured at some point in the workflow using a digital element. And that could still mean that you have a denture that was processed you know, in a traditional manner, was uh, injected or press packed or poured or whatever it is, but there may have been some digital component into that. It doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be 100% fabricated using digital tools the whole way. Um, but I think to, 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 because I think it's important that, uh, in my opinion, that people uh, take a perspective that digital doesn't mean it has to be fully digital, uh, because it, it becomes a little bit too binary at that point, where it's like I either can do it all analog or all digital. No, there are places in between. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that, because we're probably designing, oh, I mean, hundreds of digital dentures today. And every time someone calls us up uh, that they'd like to outsource their digital denture design, we, we have to spend a fair bit of time trying to understand what do they mean? Right. Is it part of the design? Is it the whole design? And so you're right, everyone has a different definition of digital dentures, right? And uh, it's great to level set what they are. Yeah, and I think I think to come back to my point, I think it's um, it's fair to say you know that definition could be um, the design 
was done digitally, meaning, you know, let's just say you took traditional analog impressions, you poured up models, you scan the models, you then do your de design digitally. And then from that design, maybe you produce a, a printed try-in um, and, and then after you've done all of the verifications that are normally done in the workflow, you could then take that information and do a traditional denture processing after that, or, you know, as what, as one example, right? Is that a digital denture? I guess that's a question of how you want to define it, but I would suggest it's a digital denture for the purposes of today's conversation. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I wanted to do a quick poll just to see where we take the conversation. And what I'd like to ask is among the viewers now, who's printing uh, 3D dent or 3D printing dentures, whatever part or in whole, and out of curiosity, what's stopping them from uh, 3D printing dentures. And uh, in order to, to mix things up, if you're milling instead of 3D printing as well, uh, we should have actually put, are you milling or 3D printing dentures? And if not, what's stopping you? And I think how this is answered will give us an idea of, uh, you know, how to take the conversation. So, oh, look at this, 86% are not printing yet or milling uh, because it's faster, there's cost, don't know how to make it work. Uh, and one third don't have a printer yet. So here is great information. So yeah. from the beginning, how do you make 3D printing dentures work? Is that a question for me, Paulo? Yeah. <laughs> wow. We, we only have 40 minutes. Um, yeah, so, you know, that, so I think, I, I think that, uh, you know, as we talked about earlier, I think it's an, an important to really set the, ex, it's a question of setting expectations. Number one, there's a bunch of things there, but a huge piece is what is the expectation? What are you going to produce? So I have a 3D printed denture here. It's printed with the teeth are printed and the base are printed. So it's fully printed, printed in two parts. Um, if I was a dental professional, which I am, you know, not, if I was a clinician, would I give this to my patient and say, here you go, this is going to last as long as what, you know, would have been done traditionally. I could not do that in good conscience. It's not going to last as long and it's probably not going to be as strong. So, which is really addressing issues of expectation of if you're going to fully print a denture, what are you providing? And I'm generalizing my answer somewhat here and there's nuances in it, but and because there are arguably some um, nuances and differences in the marketplace, but right now, broadly speaking, a fully printed denture, uh, except with one exception, maybe two, um, there's questions about the longevity. Is it, going, is it as durable and as long lasting? And this is coming, and I share this information based on our customer experiences, not just, not my opinion, but customer experiences. Um, and so, so expectation, is it going to be, and you know, whenever we switch from one technology to another, which we go from analog to digital in some format, but especially if the, if, if it's a digital, if it's a printed denture, the expectation is you're going to, you're going to have an equivalent product. That's the standard. Am I getting the same thing? And I think right now the answer is no. Um, there's, there's going to be issues with regards to longevity and durability, and there's going to be issues with regards to aesthetics. Now, aesthetics is an area that is, you know, longevity, everyone can kind of agree on, you know, that there's typically a certain amount of lifetime that the, the appliances should have. Aesthetics, of course, we all know is very much in the eye of the beholder. What looks great for one person looks terrible for another uh, and vice versa. Um, and what's acceptable is, is, you know, not acceptable for somebody else, but generally the level of aesthetics that you can achieve with a fully printed denture um, is not the same as using 
carded teeth. And it really comes down mostly to the teeth. Carded teeth are still aesthetically superior, like far superior to printed. There's absolutely no question. Uh, and still superior to uh, millable discs for milling teeth. So uh, expectation is such an important thing that um, it ha it's the, I think that's the starting point is what are you expecting? Are you expecting to be able to say, I can print dentures today and give them and they're gonna last as long as what we've done in an analog way for the most part, my opinion is the answer is no. And that will drive certain decision-making. Does it mean that introducing digital workflows at this point with dentures is not, it doesn't make sense? No, there's still lots of advantages to introducing digital, but it's a question of what are you expecting from your output? So, I mean, first, uh, Dominic, I really appreciate the honesty. You know, we get a lot of people talking about things in the, in this show and uh, it's very seldom someone talks about, okay, let's talk about the limitations of the product and where we are in evolution. Right? And what we're hearing from you is most importantly, define what problem you're trying to solve by going digital on the denture side. Is it you want something quicker, cheaper, faster, you can't find people? Like, well, what problem are you trying to solve? And then what's your expectation of the output? Do you want something that lasts two years, three years, five years? Is that fair to say? Absolutely, for sure. So the, the and this is the challenge, and I've been talking to, you know, about digital dentures for a few years now, you know, routinely to people. And, you know, the, the I'm maybe a lousy salesperson in that regard, because my solution, my answer to the question is usually very drawn out and long and, and it's not, and it's complex because the decisions are very much the people who are interested in going into the solution. They, they're driving, they're driving the, the, you know, the decision. So, not everybody has the same needs. So a classical situation, you have to define your needs. As you say, are you getting to this because you have labor shortages? Are you getting into this because you're trying to be more efficient? Are you getting into this because you believe that th this is coming and you wanna be ahead of the curve rather than behind the curve um, and so on? And uh, are you getting into it because you're bored um, and you're looking for just something to have fun with and you know my experience is that certain people do that because that's it you know they're just looking they like new things and they want to they want to play and there's nothing wrong with that but it doesn't mean it's necessarily for everybody um and you know one of the things i was thinking about you know we talk about this classic sort of adoption curve right where we have our integrators early adopters early majority late majority and laggards in terms of technology adoption. And I believe that we're still in this innovators early adopters phase and the early majority, meaning the bulk of the marketplace is to some degree still trying to figure out, well, how, how does this make sense? And how, how does it work for, for me? And um, everybody's, the answers are, you have to go out and gather all the information and analyze it for yourself because I don't believe that it's a simple answer if you know, it's good or it's not good. It really depends on so many factors. And some of those are actually market-driven, meaning the differences between the Canadian and US market, for example. Um, one of the comments was on, on, the, on the survey was with regards to cost. And it's well understood that the, um, what somebody can charge for a denture in the Canadian market is significantly more than what you can charge for a denture in the US market, by and large. Again, there's going to be, you know, I'm generalizing, but I think it's still, there's a huge difference. And so when you're looking at, you have to factor that in because of the, for a lot of people, the, the switch to quote unquote digital may require an investment and you want a return on that investment. But if you're investing into something that doesn't generate a lot of revenue, like dentures in some markets, then it's much harder to, to justify the decision. Um, because it's a, it's a, for many people, it is about numbers and how do I pay for my investment? Um, whereas in the Canadian market, and we have the example of the dentures in the Canadian market, uh, it's a more lucrative uh, space to be involved in. And because there's more 
money coming in. There's there's a, there's more money coming in on, on the Prudential. There's more money available to then invest in these in this equipment and workforce. Yeah, for our American audience, in some cases, uh, dentures in Canada are three to four times more than what uh, people in the U.S. or labs in the U.S. can charge. And a lot of it has to do with the way the way uh, insurance companies are built and or insurance companies pay out. Uh, in Canada, in general, it's dentist fee plus lab, whereas in the United States, it's typically one big fee that's attached to everything. So right. some of the nuances in different countries. So. I think part of the challenge, in, and this is a... Uh... Uh, a real, I think it, it, you know, the issue was already felt in Chronic Bridge, which was what drove uh, a lot of the digital <clears throat> uh, sort of transformation in the United, in the U.S. market in particular, is just, you know, it's a simple equation. If you charge, only charge X dollars for something, there's only Y dollars left over to reinvest into people and equipment and so on. And there's a little bit of a race to the bottom thing that, that happens where, um, it becomes difficult to justify paying people a certain amount of dollars to do a certain type of work when you only get so much money for that work. And so some of the shortage of, of labor is related to the fact that they're relatively lower wa wages for that work. Um, and, you know, when, you know, I, I always think it's just very curious is what happened in the marketplace that valued something that replaces every tooth on a person's arch to be probably you know the same price as one crown or maybe yeah. a couple of crowns but something that that replaces the full dentition on an arch is has less perceived value than the actual replacing a couple of teeth um, good. <laughs> but that's the situation that we that we find ourselves in um, uh, certainly in, in certain markets. And, uh, and so how can you, you know, that, that this is driving a lot of uh, decisions and automation. And I do want to come back to some solutions in the marketplace. So we look at what can be perceived as more dur durable and permanent. Um, you know, Densply launched a couple of years ago now, their um, Lucitone print material. Uh, and I say that sort of in quotations, Lucitone print, you know, leveraging a good brand name, Lucitone. Um, and that material has, uh, you know, has had generally good results with regards to, to physical properties, the kind of physical properties that people want to see. Um, not so sure about the aesthetics part of it and maybe the longevity, but it's certainly been the best that we've seen so far in terms of printable materials. Um, but then the restriction with that is being the accessibility because that material is only available for use in carbon printers. And so if you wanted to get into printing Lucidone print material, um, then you had to get a carbon printer, um, which as we know is certainly probably the most expensive, you know, among the most expensive, not most expensive printing solution on the marketplace. And so certain, certain uh, organizations have been able to, to get the return on investment strictly as a function of volume. They've been able to put through enough volume of uh, printable denture bases into their system to get their money out of it, but that's not necessarily the case for everybody. So that becomes an accessibility issue as well as how accessible are the solutions to everybody based on, um, on their scale, uh, you know, what their volumes are. And then we still have the by the way, just one last comment, and we do still have the issue, you know, okay, we've addressed, let's say we've part, we've addressed the base issue and having a good base. Well, now we, we still have the teeth though. We still, which is, I'll arguably say the most important part of a denture in certain regards, certainly aesthetically anyway. And, and that's the part that people function on. And the printed part of teeth is, is, you know, still, very much in question at this point. I think most people are of the mind that that you you either want to use carded teeth in your printed base or you're, you're going to use milled teeth in a printed base if you want to use a printed base. Yeah, that's in fact one of the questions uh, by Luke here. Uh, 
he believes the biggest hurdle in the final product is how it looks. And, uh, you know, to your point, uh, you'd rather, if aesthetics were key, you may be better off going with carded teeth as opposed to 3D printing your teeth. So. Well, yeah, look, my, my personal view, again, uh, you know, I'm sure there's people that don't agree with me, uh, but my personal view is that this printed denture is a temporary denture. Um, and life measured in months, not years. Um, and it might be 12 months or 13 months or 14 months, depending on a few variables. One of those variables is going to be is going to be uh, the patient. You know, are, are they or how heavy of a bite do they have, and so on. I think every dent, dental professional knows of patients that their their appliances last forever and they don't ever seem to wear out, and other ones that go through their appliances much more quickly because they have a strong bite and and, and so on. But this is a temporary solution, um, and so then again, it comes back to expectation is if you want to have a maximum aesthetic solution, I'm not sure doing it on a temporary appliance is, they really go hand in hand. So if you want something that's going to be, that you can position as you know reasonably durable, then you're either, as I said, milling the teeth or you're using carded teeth. And you know, I think in terms of levels, again, largely speaking, you know, if this is a printed denture, uh, you know, it's teeth level, this is a milled disc level and a carded is still at this level for, for the best teeth, right? Because then we could have a whole conversation about the hundreds of different tooth options that are out there and the different, you know, two layer, three layer, four layer, et cetera, um, all kinds of qualities of teeth that are out there. So aesthetics for sure is an issue. Um, there are some people that will like reasonably say, well, you can take this, print this, and then use uh, stains and, and, uh, and materials to enhance the work that's being done. But now we're, now we're getting away from the, the efficiencies. Yeah. Right? You know, we've, we've created efficiencies in terms of the digital, but we're adding more physical work, which is one of the reasons people want to you know, make the change is to get away from the, 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 the manual part of it. So uh, let me ask you this, and uh, a bit of role-playing. <laughs> Don't mean to put you on the spot, Dominic, but uh, let's say I'm sure a lab uh, owner. <laughs> Come on. Go no, I, I'm, a, uh, I'm a lab owner, and uh, given your lab experience, I mean, you've, you've operated some fairly successful laboratories in, in Ontario, Canada, and uh, given that experience, and I go to you and I say, okay, Dominic, I can't find people. I can't see the, you know, I'm short technicians. I'm thinking going digital. And I want to start uh, doing the digital dentures. Uh, yes. Can you help me? Yeah. What, what would you say? <laughs> uh, well, so I, it, from, a, from a, a laboratory perspective, um, which is, Perhaps the majority of participants. I don't know if there'd be any dentures today, possibly, but um, I, th I think it's there. Is I'll talk strictly from a uh, lab perspective, and then I will maybe segue a little bit into the denture side. So, from a lab yeah. perspective, once again, to my earlier comment about transitions, um, uh, what you know, with regards to uh, the the the. The, the evolution, right? So CAD-CAM fixed evolved from one thing to another, but it didn't stop people from getting into it. Um, now there's a very strong foundation of digital understanding and workflows and not all labs, but many labs have a team of people already in place that understand CAD, they understand scanning, they understand milling, uh, they understand printing too, because you know many, many, many labs have printers for other purposes. So all the tools are there. Um, and, and I think, as, as I would say to you as a lab owner, you have the platform or the platforms in place to relatively easily transition into this space 
because the tools that are necessary, you already have. You have the scanner, you have the mill, you have the CAD software, arguably, and so on. Depending on which CAD, you know, we could dive into sort of the CAD part of it too. But you have the tools um, and there are efficiencies, there are benefits. And I would say, start getting to, to understand, you know, the, where you can make digital denture workflows start working for you with the right expectation as to what kind of output you're going to create. Because at the end of the day, you could be motivated by efficiency, you could be motivated by, by cost savings and so on, but you still need to, you still have a market. You, you know, number one, you're going to start with your existing client base. Perhaps you would think about it as, as you know, seeking out new markets. But for the most part, I think people start with who their customers are today. So are you going to get into something that your customers even want or need? Uh, or are they indifferent? Uh, or will they accept it? Meaning, sure, this might provide certain benefits to you, but perhaps it doesn't result in a deliverable that your your customers are going to be to accept. So I would say as a, from a lab perspective, you absolutely want to be looking into this. Um, it becomes a different matter for the dentures as an aside. Um, and I guess maybe I'll say a couple of words about dentures because it seems that in the U S market, sometimes people don't really understand what that is. Um, but it's a, it, in, in certain, and there's a couple of states in the U.S. like Washington and Oregon and Maine that have dentures as a, as a recognized profession. But um, a dentures is essentially, think about it as like a dentist who does only dentures. So they see patients, they have clinical training, um, they treat patients, um, but only for certain um, in certain areas for in, in removable indentures. And they typically will have in-house production. Some, some elements they'll, out, they'll outsource, but they're kind of a hybrid between a dentist and the lab in certain ways, producing for themselves only. And the challenge that, that the dentures have is that, um, and there's a certain pocket, you know, the early, the innovators and early adopters in the Canadian market anyway, that have invested in their, their sort of uh, blazing a path for everybody else. Um, but, uh, the issue is, is that for the most part, the dentures are starting from scratch. They don't have scanners. They don't have printers. They don't have CAD. They don't have mills that they want to get into milling. And so it's a much more significant investment, um, for them. But from the point of view of a lab, many of them already have those elements in place. And I would say that, uh, you know, you can, you can start. Uh, understanding the workflows and understanding how you can start incorporating them into your lab. Yeah, I mean, great perspective, Dominic. I, I'd agree with you. You know, most labs in Canada and the U.S., if you're a, you know, medium to large facility, meaning uh, actually anyone, five employees or more, would already be partially digital at this point in time, right? And uh, in our earlier discussion, uh, you made a great point, which is, you know, what do you mean by digital dentures? Because it's part of the workflow or the entire uh, denture to be done digitally. And I would argue most labs today answering uh, Scott Cosmack's question that he posed to us, most labs today are already digital at some form and are doing uh, segments of the denture process digitally. It's it's also interesting your perspective. If you want to do digital dentures, how do you define what your customers are expecting? So if I'm in uh, the U.S. and I'm selling my my dentures, I don't know what the price point in the U.S. is right now for for some dentures, but I've seen them. Let's call it one hundred and twenty five dollars for a notch and you know, at that price point, I'd be considering, okay, how do I just 3D print this whole thing and, you know, uh, send it out? Because uh, you're right, the customer expectations may be different in each market segment. Right. Is that fair to say? Yeah, but, I, but uh, you know, again, there's going to be different market dynamics, but my, my point, I guess, would be, okay, you know, at $125, which is, you know, not a lot, um, uh, you, you could create the output, um, but I'm not sure you're going to be delivering the same thing. 
Uh, and that's a bit of a dilemma is that for, you know, right now what's being delivered for $125 is, is going to have a reasonable longevity. You know, even if you're using inexpensive teeth and two, you know, you're only using two layer teeth or teeth that are $5 a card or whatever it is for, you know, anterior total $10 or $12 of teeth and a bit of acrylic um, and, you know, the manual work done, that's that, that appliance is going to last uh, quite a long time, years. And uh, I, I, we're, I don't, we're just not at that point based on what we've seen so far. There's some some newer materials that are coming that are interesting and promising, but just not being proven yet. Um, so I'm not sure, like I, I would say to somebody, oh, okay, well I can print because I can, you know, offer an econo denture. Well, I'm not even sure that it's an econo denture, uh, you know, yeah. Um, and to, to, to answer Scott's question, cause I, I know Scott, so hi Scott, um, um, you know, what percentage of, Dental labs in Canada have gone totally digital with dentures. It's, right now, it's incredibly small. It'd be like well under five percent of like if even that. I think it's, there's a handful. So what we've seen in this marketplace um, is people are experimenting at this at this stage. So in in this marketplace, probably like a lot of marketplace places, Ivaclar has done a great job of. Uh, um, uh, getting or marketing the PM7 mill. Um, and I see more and more labs with PM7s um, that are among other things interested in having and integrating digital workflows um, and, and doing the a digital denture workflow. And typically they're gonna be, you know, of course that's a milling solution, which is certainly gonna have longevity. I don't think there's an issue of longevity with that. Um, and those, the, the labs have an efficiency because they have a mill that can do things other than, than you know, they can use it for things other than milling uh, teeth and denture bases. They're going to mill crowns and, and so on with it. Um, and I've of done a good job of working with three shape to create a good workflow. Um, is it perfect? No. Is it among the, the, the best ones in the market? Yes. Um, and so they've been able to pack, to sort of link together the pieces that need to be there. Um, the, the CAD side of it with three shape and being able to do uh, a, a more sophisticated design because sophistication of design is definitely an issue. Sophisticated design coupled with the ability to communicate and cam and to mill those components successfully uh, within the milling system. Um, that unsurprisingly, that workflow is kind of Ivaclar friendly with regards to teeth options because that's another element that you're dealing with is uh, what teeth options are you going to have available to you within a digital workflow? Again, that's another sort of deeper dive and other nuance. So then Scott said, any percentage that have started a portion of their analog dentures converted to digital dentures, really the same, they kind of go hand in hand, Scott, they're both really the same thing. People are, are looking for the efficiencies right now and trying to figure out how to make it all work. For, for not make it work actually, yeah, but make it work from a, 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 an efficiency point of view and an, a benefit point of view, and probably most importantly, from a deliverable point of view. Will the dentist and the patient, you know, of course, because it's the patient who's going to be, who's, who owns the appliance, are they going to accept what's being uh, delivered to them? Uh, it, it's in, it's an interesting time in in the denture world because in the United States, what we're seeing is labs who are sending us designs are saying, "Look, uh, it's not a question for me of whether the denture will last longer than the other. Uh, it's a question of whether I produce or not because I can't find technicians to do this stuff." So my only option is to find a way to mill or 3D print it. And can you guys design it for me? That's that's mm -hmm. a typical dis discussion that we're having. Uh, yeah. In fact, uh, uh, there's a lab that uh, uh, we spoke with where it, exactly that he lost his technicians, you know, and he's saying, I just can't work 24 hours a day. 
And it becomes a much more fundamental question. You know, whether I'm ready or not, that's the only way we can service the customer is to do something uh, with uh, as little human touch as possible. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it's an interesting situation to be in, right? Well, it's, and it's, it's um, I think it's a, it's a dilemma. Uh, we talked earlier, uh, you know, just sort of a, uh, the aspect of the, that market being so low revenue generating, it, it's, it, it's just in, in its traditional structure, it's not sustainable. And now you start seeing the, uh, the consequence of that. So I mean, the bigger, yeah. the bigger sort of, you know, it's it's an indirect question. It's more just a, like a philosophical conversation is. But you know, ultimately, if the lab can't supply, well, you know, from the lab's perspective, they risk losing the client, uh, which nobody wants to do, of course. So you you, you know, if I can't deliver the dentures, I'm going to lose the customer, and maybe I'll lose everything, which is not great. Um, but what you know, what if things get to the point where no one can deliver? And you know, and patients can't get uh, dentures made. You know, that's an extreme situation, but uh, not desirable from a sort of a um, patient situation point of view. I just yeah. coming back to 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 my perspective on it is sure you don't have somebody to produce the analog fashion. You just I think have to be realistic in your expectation as to what the alternative, what the digital workflow, what it's going to deliver uh, in its place. And that may drive certain choices depending on need. So I talked earlier about how some better performing products and specifically the denture-based resins in, in all markets are either uh, available, you know, you know, are only available through certain Printing devices, for example, um, and that might drive certain choices for you. It, uh, great point, and I don't think you've uh, uh, explained it yet, but certainly it was educational for me. What the difference is between uh, FDA regulations in the U.S. and FDA or, or Health Canada regulations when it comes to three D printing and sure. how you know each country has a, a, a very different perspective yeah. right yeah no regulatory is so important in, in each marketplace and to understand the impact so from a canadian perspective uh some you know fda has zero relevance uh just like if a product's health canada approved there's no relevance in the u.s whatsoever um so if everything's done by the book which we hope it is um, you should only use products that are licensed, that are they're, they're medical devices that are licensed by the relevant regulatory body. The U.S. is F, uh, Food and Drug, FDA, um, and in Canada, it's Health Canada. So we take, for example, this denture-based material from DTAX. Um, the way that it works in the United States is, is that the workflow is approved. So um, uh, DTAX will have worked with certain printer manufacturers and and say this resin in this Sega printer, light cured in this light curing it over here, the NK optic, that's a validated workflow. So you can use this material uh, and be compliant as long as you use this printer or other ones that are part of the approved process and you use this light curing unit and, or other ones that are part of the process. But you can't, uh, in order to be compliant, move outside of that workflow. Whereas in Canada, it doesn't apply. It's the material that's approved only. So it's not a process. It's not a workflow. It's simply the material. And that creates um, more openness to some degree, because you would then have, you could use this material in a range of different printers. Now, there might be questions with regards to, um, especially with biocompatible materials, about proper processing um, uh, and do you have something that's being processed correctly just like any manufacturing process but by and large those are the difference between the markets and uh, and what the you know the trade-offs are going to be one way or another 
And uh, I think to, to summarize, in the US, if, if you change the approved workflow, uh, even though uh, whatever you're doing, printing dentures or, or even temporaries, uh, what have you, even though it may work, uh, there's a question of legality and litigation risk that you have to factor into your decision-making. Whereas in Canada, it's all about whether the product itself, the resin is approved. So right. Um, right. Uh, a couple of quick questions here that are stacking up and I just wanted to touch on them. Uh, is there a big difference between denture resins? Um, so in, so number one, the, the, there's always going to be some difference. Um, and again, I, I, I can't say that I know all of them, but there's relatively few choices. Number one, in, in both the Canadian and U.S. markets that are, that are licensed, that are approved, there's not that much choice. Uh, I would say, broadly speaking, you have a class that are like DTAX and Dreve and Dentka and um, Nextdent that are all going to be very similar in their properties, like they're in a certain broad category. Um, then you have sort of two other products that are, you know, somewhat different on their own. There's one that I mentioned earlier, the Lucitone print material. Um, which is uh, a particular material that, that has definitely shown to have superior physical properties to this class of product. Um, and then you have the, the, a more recent arrival to the marketplace of material called Flexera, which is looking very interesting. Um, it seems to be you know, a printable, more flexible material uh, for as a denture-based material. And, um, but it, it's still very new and, you know, the, the, the actual user experience over time still, uh, it's still, you know, we're still waiting for that. So I think that to answer that question at this point, I would sort of break it down into those three segments, one group of a bunch that are very similar, the Lucitone print and the Flexera as another sort of, uh, entrant. Yeah, very helpful. And then uh, here's another question. How do you seal a 3D printed denture? Uh, most of them seem to be porous and will no doubt smell in the long term. What do you think, Dominic? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that because I, I think this is part, you know, this is, I don't know that there's uh, anybody's really addressing that. Uh, I, I think it's a it's a, you know, if we, if we look at, you know, water sorption um, in, in these materials is different than a processed acrylic. And I think it partially addresses the issue about expectations and longevity and so on. Um, and I don't know, I, I, I don't claim to, to know all the information. I don't know, there could be something out there, but I'm really not familiar with any specific product that anybody's using to uh, seal a printed uh, uh, denture base with, and those are, and, and, you know, again, there's also going to be a difference, right? Are we talking, you know, I'm assuming we're talking about the denture base material, but we can't forget the teeth material, especially if the teeth material were printed, they're likely going to have a similar um, behavior. Um, and if, just as an example, this denture is printed with this material, this detox temp material, it's a classification thing in Canada, for example, this is a class two material, which is the same license as card indenture teeth, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily gonna have the same behavior, um, like in, in, in many different respects. So it's a, it's, yeah, so directly answer the question, um, that's a part that needs to be um, looked at and managed, and it's still an evolution. Well, it, it's I mean, very enlightening given uh, you're giving us insight to the complexities of 3D printing dentures that maybe a lot of people don't appreciate that at this point in time. Yeah. Um, a couple of other questions here. 
I'm just trying to cover all the ones that have been posted. So uh, please bear with me. Um, oh, here's one. Do dentists still need to do a try-in with digital dentures? Uh, for sure, for sure. I think that, you know, the, uh, absolutely, the, the, the kind of, you know, the, the, the important steps in the workflow still need to be respected and maintained. Yeah, direct answer to the question, yes. Uh, I think simply put, we're digitizing the different steps in manufacturing it, but the actual dentist patient bidding process theoretically doesn't change. Yeah. Right. There, there is, there is some, you know, I think there is at certain points in, depending on how the workflow begins, there's a potential for reducing visits. Uh, for example, if, if there's already an existing denture dentures, um, you, you can, you, you have the potential to fast track your, your visits. Um, but uh, by and large, the, the, the land, the, the sort of milestones are the same in the workflow. And, and here's one that, uh, can I ask what uh, you're receiving from the clinician to process the digital denture? Are you getting impressions and bite registrations? You know, I think it's a general question. I, I don't know if you'd have info on that, but we should ask the labs that are uh, also listening in to see, are you guys getting, uh, or what types of impressions are you getting from the dentists that are uh, wanting or, or that you're uh, sending digital dentures there? Uh, any comment on this? Well, I, I, yeah, well, I mean, look, I, look, uh, we all know that, you know, that uh, from a lab's perspective, you know, the foundation on which any, any, uh, any work's done is the patient record. So if the patient record is not good, then how can the rest be good? You know, it's, 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 the, it's an age old issue with, for labs is how to deal with poor impressions, right? So, um, you know, so there's no difference. So if we talk about an analog workflow, ideally you want a preliminary impression, then you want to make a custom tray, then you want to take your, you know, your final impression uh, and then continue on from, and then do your, you know, some sort of wax up or try-in or bite rim or whatever it is, then do a try-in and so on. So the, the processes, the steps are the same and the, and, and the quality of records is, is as important uh, for digital as for not digital. It's, it's just like for digital, you know, a milled crown, you still want to, you still need a good record. Um, you know, we, we can sort of segue maybe a little bit into intraoral scanning, you know, that, that's a whole other sort of topic unto itself is, can you work with an intraoral scan file for, for a fully edentulous arch um, and, uh, you know, and, and be successful? That is a whole uh, uh, thing, you know, there is probably still somewhat controversial um, but there is more and more direction looking towards perhaps in certain situations, under idealized situations, you can go with a, with a, uh, a fully edentulous uh, arch intraoral scan and design your case from there. Now, obviously with other, you know, whatever, again, it could depend whether it's a, just an upper or lower or a complete upper and lower and other records that would need to be uh, captured. Um, but there are still some specifics there that uh, that you'd have to be aware of to do so. But things are moving in that direction for sure. And there's probably a number of clinicians that will tell you, yeah, no problem. We're, we're doing cases. Now, can they do 100% of the cases? Maybe not. Um, but can they do cases? Yes, with intraoral scans. Yeah, and uh, as a lot of people know, we are a... Uh at evident we started to carry uh mended scanners to uh frankly to, to connect that whole uh digitization process for our customers and uh, that's what we're seeing it takes a bit of practice to to uh be able to scan or to use an intraoral scan directly and it's not for every case you know, and you have to have a very specific process in your clinic to be able to do it properly. Uh, 
but most of the cases we're seeing are still traditional uh, impressions and then the labs digitize them with the tabletop scan, you know. So, um, and Rob, Mo Rob at Mosky Dental, same thing, traditional diagnostics from offices, occasionally wash impressions in existing dentures for the bite. So, uh, seems to be a bulk of, of what we're seeing still today. Um, where do you see the future of, you know, not just digital dentures, but you're obviously very active in uh, the digit digitization of dental practices and, and dental labs. Uh, where do you see the future in the near term within five years? Well, it's going to be a continuous evolution. Um, I mean, there, there, I don't think there's any question. I mean, the digital is not the future. It's here and it will continuously evolve like it has for the last 15 years. And I think as the people who got involved with it, uh, at, you know, early days, 15 or so years ago, know that things are just more, they're just smoother now. They're more reliable. They're faster. They're easier. Uh, the outputs are, are better. And I think we'll just see continuous improvements uh, across the board in digital um, and specifically in dentures. You know, the, the, the barriers, the barrier right now, in my opinion, in the digital denture side, is in, especially, in, well, really ultimately in terms of a digitally manufactured denture printed or milled has to do with material whatever the material limitations are at this point, that, that the material is what's holding back the, you know, the, the to have something 100% equivalent materially or, you know, longevity wise and aesthetics to what's currently available. The technologies are there, the design is there, the printing is, the meaning the tools are there, but it's the material is, it, it's limiting. So the, the materials need to evolve uh, and they will, but in the meantime, uh, you know, there are still, there are still, uh, things that you can do. It's just a question of whether you want to do them or not. Yeah, fair enough. Well, and uh, I wanted to do the last poll. So I'm going to ask the evidence team to just put that up for anyone who wants, uh, any more information in our design services or, uh, Medit or CE credits. And as well, if you'd like to connect with Dominic at, Dentology by Abutment Direct. Let us know and uh, we'll connect you guys. So, uh, whatever we can do to help you on your cause there, Dominic, uh, we're happy to do. Really appreciate you spending time with us. And to me, this has been super enjoyable. I hope uh, the rest of the, the audience, you know, feels that way because I, I found it very informative. Well, it's my pleasure. And yeah, if if, uh, if somebody does want to uh, reach out to me by email, um, feel free to do so. It's actually Dominic, D-O-M-I-N-I-C, at abutmentdirect.com. Feel free to send me an email. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I have, you know, I have, I have an opinion. <laughs> um, and, it, it, you know, it's based on, you know, my perspective and my view on things, which is, uh, is kind of what it is. But yeah. Uh, uh, you know, feel free to reach out if you're, if you have any questions. Uh, the good news is the opinion comes with a wealth of experience behind it. And, uh, we truly appreciate your sincerity and your honesty with, with this webinar, Dominic, and, uh, we hope to have you again in the near future, but thank you for your time. All right. Thank you. And, uh, for everyone else, I hope you guys have a fantastic week. Thanks for joining us and stay safe out there. Okay. Hope you're busy. Take care. Bye-bye. Oh, hey there, guys. It's Mike from Evident. You've probably seen our stuff before and wondered, what the f Evident? What do we do? Well, that's a great question. Our main job is dental CAD design. Still wondering what makes Evident so special? Well, the best labs and dentists choose Evident to turn their scans into bridges, crowns, aligners, and veneers, and more every single day. Be more than just a number. We'll build a CAT team around you to make your digital dental treatments better by design. 
go digital with the cool kids, start rolling with Evident, and let's get the digital party started.